Good morning, Word of Faith Global Ministries family. It's a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, we're continuing with the uh, series of this month, The Time Is Now, and this is the fourth installment of this uh, series. We'll finalize this series uh, uh, next uh, week with uh, Minister uh, Orly, so we're excited. Uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful series to the glory of God. Thank you uh, for the emails that we're receiving in reference to uh, the series. Uh, those that are watching it online, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Continue to send us those email. I mean, those uh, emails that you sent are encouraging uh, to hear how the Lord is just touching you uh, through the series that we do. It's a blessing to hear that. So uh, today we're just going to continue. And um, I, I want to share this with you. God has a great calling on every believer's life and and the thing is that we need to believe it we need to believe that the Lord has called each and every one of us uh, as believer as body of Christ you know he's called us keep that in mind second Timothy listen to what it says in verse number um, uh, chapter number one verse number nine and I'm reading from the ESV it says who has saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I will share a lot more with you in reference to uh, 2 Timothy chapter uh, verse 1, 9 through uh, 12. I'll be reading to you uh, later on during the message. Uh, the, wor the world... Is doing everything that it can uh, uh, to to make you believe that you don't have a calling and that you don't have a purpose in your life I'm gonna repeat this again the world is doing everything that it can number one to make you believe that you have no calling and no purpose in the kingdom of God and number two to make you compromise in other words accepting standards that are lower than your desirable uh, in, in your relationship with the Lord uh, standards that are lower than you desire in your relationship with the Lord. For some, pursuing God is no longer a priority in their life. They have other priorities. They have other things that they have placed before pursuing after God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is calling you. God is calling you back home. God is calling you to come back to your roots to understand that there is a calling in your life. There's been a calling since you were in your mother's womb. And some understand it, some take it seriously, and others don't. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I, I thank you so much for this day, Lord. I thank you for your blessings, Lord. I thank you, Father, for touching our mind and our heart right now, Lord, as, uh, as, I, as I share this word, Father, that you have instilled in my spirit, Lord. I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters that are watching right now and they're listening right now, Lord. I declare, Father, that they would walk out totally different than the way that they walked in, Lord. I declare that they would have an encounter with you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I thank you for those that are going to be set free today, Lord. I thank you because the chains will be broken, Lord. Uh, the walls will come down and they will be saved to the glory of God. And that veil will be removed from their eyes, Lord. We ask everything in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this service. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. So for some, pursuing God is no longer a priority in their life. But there's others. There's others that believe that they have been saved and called by God. And, 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 and they are totally different. They're totally different the way that they walk, the way that they speak, what they think. It's totally different. They, they are marked by a calm and steadfastness in the middle of a storm. They could be in the middle of a, of a big storm, but they are calm because they know who's in control. They know who's in control of their house. They are growing believers. They're growing believers in the, in the Word of God. They're steadfast in, in their doctrine and their beliefs. Uh, uh, other people could say other things, but you know what? It doesn't shape them because they know who they are in Christ. Glory to God. They are steadfast in their spiritual development. That is extremely important. They are steadfast in their spiritual development. They are steadfast in their devotion to God. In their devotion to God. I, I, I mean, they, they spend time before the presence of God. They spend time before the presence of God. They fast. They pray. They, they know that, they, that it's important for them, for their growth, for their development, um, 
for for times that we will be in the storms that we don't know the storms of life when they're coming. But, but we have to have a, a strong foundation in the Word of God. We have to be strong in our faith. We have to be strong in prayer to know that the storms might come. But you know what? Uh, we will not be shaken. These people are not shaken. Regardless of what comes their way, they are not shaken because they are strong in what they believe. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 through 24. And I'm going to be reading this one today from the New King James Version. And listen to what it says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 uh, through 24. And I'm going to be breaking this down. This I say, therefore, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work uncleanliness with greediness, says in the word of God. Verse 19, the word greediness comes from the word that always translates of covetousness. In other words, the lost man lives like he does because he is selfish. Let me repeat that again. The lost man lives uh, uh, just thinking about himself because he is selfish. The new believer, the Christian, all also lives that kind of selfish uh, life because he's a new believer. He's a babe in Christ. So it will take him a while to know that, you know what, it's not about me. It's about God and it's about others. Listen to what it says on verse number 20. It says, But you have not learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It says in the word of God, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which has created according to God, which has been created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verses 17 through 24, they're marked by a clear separation. There's a separation between the old man and the new man. A maturing believer is easily identified because he or she is so different from the world around them. I mean, it's like they, uh, they, they, they're, they're walking in this world, but they're not part of this world. Hallelujah. They're, 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 they're just walking by. But you can tell the difference from a person that is a non-believer to a believer, to a new believer. The verses speak that, that uh, about this issue, verses 17 through 19, they're separated from the works of darkness. Paul makes a distinction between how the lost man lives and how he is and how the saved man lives. It's totally different. When a person receives Jesus, their personal savior as a, as a born again believer, they literally receive a brand new life. That's literally what happens when you get saved. They receive a new life. They can no longer walk as they once walked. They can no longer live as they once live. It's a new mentality. It's a, it, 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 you, you see life with a different lens and the things that were tying you down uh, when you were out in the world is not tying you any longer. The lost man lives like he does because he, he is blinded to the causes and consequences of his action. He doesn't know where he is headed to and he doesn't know where he's going or there's any difference or he he doesn't see any difference because he's completely lost that's a person that is lost that's a person that has not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior the maturing believer on the other hand is no longer in darkness glory to God the maturing believer the one that accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior is no longer in darkness the light has been turned on to his soul, to the glory of God. The old manner of living is no, no longer there. It's, it's not good enough any longer. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, 
to be complacent and not do what God is calling them to do. He's a new believer. So there's a stirring in his spirit to do something different. There is a new desire to walk in the path of the Lord. They lay out uh, the layouts of their life is totally different. Life has ceased to be about self-will and not greediness, like it says in verse number 19. And he has become all about God's will. What's God's will for my life? That is why the Bible identifies the believer as a new creature, as a new creature. Church, the time is now. The time is now, church, to make a change. To make a change. I mean, if, you, if you've been living on the fence for the longest time, this is a time. Maybe you're watching me now uh, on, 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 online and uh, uh, YouTube or Facebook, whatever it is that you're on right now. But listen, the time is now to make a change. The time is now to say it's enough to be on the fence. It's enough to, uh, uh, you know, go to church one weekend and be out five weekends and four weekends and then come back. You're on vacation or whatever it might be. Uh, the time is now to say, I need to stop, Lord. I, 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 need to, I, I, I need to take my walk with you seriously. And I, and, I, and I know for a fact that if you are willing to speak that today, and if you're willing to make that commitment, the Lord's going to help you. The Lord's going to help you. But you have to be willing to do that. Verses 20 through 24, they're separated from a walk of darkness. They're separated from a walk of darkness. The believer has received a change of life that results in a change in his walk. We're called upon to put off once and for all the ways of the old man, who is just growing worse and worse by day. And by the old man, I'm including negative thoughts that tell you that you do not have a holy calling in your life. I'm, 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 I'm calling that the old man because that's an old mentality. Uh, well, you know, I'm just here in this world and, you know, I'm, I'm just here to uh, make a paycheck every single Friday or whatever it might be, but I, there's really nothing special about me. No, uh, that, that is totally the old man's mentality. You got you to gotta renew your mind with the Word of God and understand that you've been called by God. You've been called by God for such a time as this. You need to understand that. Note that the world in verse 20, uh, uh, the word in verse 22 is corrupt. Present tense, and it speaks of a corpse that lies rotting in the sun. Each day it brings with it more evidence of that corpse that is dead. That's the old man. We're called upon to put on once and for all the new man. The new man. The, the, the man that came to Christ and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior will not continue to walk as he did in the past. The new man who had been created in righteousness and in holiness. When the new believer comes to faith in Jesus, he learns a new way of life. This is, a, this is a, something that you learn on a daily basis. Something that you walk on a daily basis. And the good thing about this is that you're not doing it by yourself. You got brothers and sisters around you that will help you out. You got the Lord that is definitely going to help you out. For you to be able to reach the point that God wants to be able to use you. That God wants to be able to use you. Verses 19 and 20, he has experienced a change of heart that results in a profound change of mind. Glory to God. Verse 23, God puts a new desire within his children that makes them want to live differently than they used to live before. The bottom line is this, the maturing believer looks different, acts different, walks different, and thinks different than he did before. That is the new believer. As he matures, the believer continues to grow and he will get to the point that regardless the dart that the enemy might throw, he will continue to stand and believe and trust God. Glory to God. Verses 25 through 32, Paul describes them as they are marked by Christ-like Christ -like standards. Now repeat that again. Verses 25 through 32, Paul describes them as they are marked by Christ-like standards. Paul begins to talk about the uh, maturing believer day-to-day -day walk. He focuses primarily on how he acts, how he reacts and interacts with others. The, the, the way that, that a person reacts with others is totally different when they come to Christ 
versus when they were in the world. Think about that for a moment. What, what was it that you would say and how you would act and, and the, the conversations that you would have when you were out in the world? Walking with Christ, Christ changes that in us. Christ changes our mind and, and touches our mind and uh, uh, as we get deeper into the Word of God, as we renew our mind on a daily basis with the Word of God through the Scriptures, through prayer, through spending time with the Lord, you know what? Your vocabulary even changes to the glory of God. The way that you talk when you were in the world is not the way that you talk when you're in Christ. Think about that for a moment. But what I want you to uh, notice what I want you to notice is this. For the maturing believer, the emphasis in life is removed from self, and now it's focused on others. Before the, uh, the, 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 the person that came to Christ, uh, a babe in Christ, you know, it was all about him. You know, how am I going to learn this? How am I going to do that? How am I, I don't understand the scripture, this prayer. And then once they are mature in Christ, once they've uh, been walking with the Lord for a while, they, they finally realize, you know what, this is not about me. This is all about the Lord and it's about others. For me helping others. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 32. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read now verses 25 through 32. It says, do not grieve the Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse number 25, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one body. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It says in the Word of God, do not give place to the level. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to give him who has need, that he will be able to give something to the one that he has need. Verse 29, let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let me repeat that again, okay? Listen to what it says. Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. In other words, uh, the words that you used to use before when you were out in the world, listen to what it says in the Word of God. It says, let no corrupt word proceeds out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, glory to God, that it may impart grace to the hearers, says in the Word. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil, speaking be put away from you. Let it all be put away with all malice also. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted forgiving one another. Listen to what it says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Even as God in Christ forgave you. It is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. Sure it is. It is extremely possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. The word here means to make sad or, or to distress Believers can grieve the Holy Spirit by acting contrary to the scriptures and by allowing corrupt and negative words. Listen to what I'm saying. By allowing corrupt and negative words uh, contrary to the scriptures, contrary to the words of God coming to your mouth. If you speak, uh, if you speak uh, 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 words that are negative, if you speak words that are contrary to, uh, uh, to what the scripture says, you know what? You grieve the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's very important that we keep an eye on that. How is it that we're speaking? Listen to what it says. When Israel was in the wilderness, they complained continually. They were grumping. They were con complaining continually. And listen to what it says in Psalms 95, verse 10. And this is in the King, uh, New King James Version. Listen, for 40 years... I was grieved with this with that generation. And I said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts 
and they do not know my ways. They go astray in their heart, and they do not know my ways, says in the Word of God. Well, um, I am sure that many of you uh, right now, you, you, you know people. Uh, you know people that have strayed away. You know people that in, in your circle of influence that they were walking with the Lord at one point and they have strayed away completely from the things of God. I mean, uh, uh, they have God now in a distance, not the way that they had God before. Those are prodigals that we got to continue to pray for. Those are prodigals that, that, that we have uh, in, in our life that people have that, that you know what, you got to continue to believe God. You got to continue to believe His Word and know that the seed was planted there. Those prodigals, they might have, uh, they might uh, behave recklessly and, and run all the way and, 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 and they, they're running constantly away from God. But I, but I just want to share something with you. That um, you could come to Christ and you could accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're walking with Him and all of a sudden you just, something happens in your life and you just, uh, bad influence, bad uh, 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 friends or whatever it might be, and you go astray. The word, the seed is still inside of you. And I am telling you right now, you could run all you want. Maybe, maybe right now there's somebody that's hearing me or watching me right now. And you, you've been running from God for the longest time. And I am here to tell you that, you know what? God's finger is on you. God's finger is on you and he is not going to let you go until you come back. You need to come back to the house of God. You need to come back and you need to surrender your life completely to God. Listen, nobody's going to question you. Uh, remove from your mind, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? Are people going to start asking me where I've been or what have I done? Nobody's going to ask you anything. And as a matter of fact, that's irrelevant. Because you know what's more important here? What's more important is your salvation, your eternal salvation. Where is it that you're going to go when you die? That's what's more important than anybody asking where you've been or what did you do? But, but I sense in my spirit right now that somebody is watching me right now that you, you've been running away from God. You've been running away from the things of God. You've been running astray from God for the longest time. And I'm here to tell you, you're a prodigal and you're going to come back. And today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of salvation. Today is the day that you should say, you know what? I'm going to stop running and I'm just going to surrender completely to God. And God is waiting for you. God is so merciful. God is so loving that He is waiting for you. He is just waiting for that moment that you say, you know what, God, I, I'm tired of running around. And I want to come straight to you. L listen, listen to these words that, that He spoke in Psalms 95 verse 10. It says, for 40 years I was grieved with, the gener with that generation. And I said, it is people, it is, it, it is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they don't know my ways. You knew God's way, and you strayed away. And I am telling you that today is your day of salvation. You're that prodigal that we've been praying for for the longest time. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to your roots. It's, come, it's time to come back to have a relationship with Jesus again. Start all over again, a new beginning. This is a day, this is a day that you need to take that opportunity and that you need to say that prayer, Lord, I want to come back. I surrender and I want to come back. As we come to a close in, in verses 25 through 32, Paul, Paul begins to talk about uh, the maturing believer day-to-day -day walk. He focuses primarily on how he acts, reacts, and interacts with others around him uh, to his fellow believers. But what I want you to uh, notice is this. For the maturing believer, the emphasis in life is removed from self and is focused now on others. It's focused on others. The maturing Christian has come to understand that the world is bigger than he is. That the world is bigger than he is and that the world does not revolve around him. He realizes that, you know what, there's others that I got to help out. Just like somebody helped me. He cares about the lives of others, and this, is, and this shows in his relationship with other believers. Remember what Jesus said about uh, his people? The single defining trait 
by which Jesus said that his people could be identified was that they would love one another. That they would love one another in John, in, in, in John chapter 13, verse 35, that they would love one another. The maturing believer has, has, has figured that out. You know what? That I need to love the same way that somebody had loved me before and brought me to the, to the place where I surrender my life to Christ. You know, a, a person that was praying for me for the longest time. I don't know about you, but I know that, uh, I, I, I know for a fact that there were those that were praying for me, for me to come to Christ. And you know what? I give God glory and honor for those that he surrounded me uh, when I came to Christ, that loved on me and, and cared about me and they were praying for me and they walked with me. They, they, they helped me in this walk. Hallelujah. Was it easy? No, it wasn't. It was difficult. But you know what? They did not let go of me. Hallelujah. And, and as a new believer, when you come to Christ, that's what's going to happen. You know what? There are going to be those around you that are going to help you walk. And you're not going to be walking by yourself. And then at one point, you will start helping somebody else as well. That's the beauty of the love of the fellowship uh, that, that's inside of us. When Christ comes into your, love, into your heart, uh, there's a love for others. There's a love for others that you want to see them flourish as well. So keep that in mind. Reading, uh, let, let's go to the reading right now in uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy um, chapter number 1, verses 9, 9 through 12. Chapter number 1, verses 9 through 12. And I'm going to read this from the, um, the King James as, as well. I want you to understand that we all have been called. I, you know, it's important for me to go back to this again because I want you to understand that we all have been called for such a time as this and, and, and into the kingdom of God and to uh, help move forward the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God and, and the word of God and, and continue to preach the gospel and continue to share with brothers and sisters and those that we find out there in the streets that uh, they, they're, they're anxious and they're looking for answers. They're looking for answers. They're looking for help. So God has called each and every one of us. And we need to uh, uh, be part of that move. We need to rise up in faith and, and in the power of His glory and know that, you know what, we, we need to help this dying world that's out there. There's a world that, ha that is so confused out there that it's amazing and they're just looking for answers. And you and I have the answers. The answer is easy. The answer is Christ. Christ, there's a lack of a knowledge and understanding about the love of Christ, the grace of God, the, the mercy of God. And that you know what, no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been, there's a merciful and loving God that, that, that you could surrender your life to. God has called us to that. God has called us to that. Verse number nine, listen to what it says. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. I'm reading from the um, Second Timothy, chapter number one, verses nine through twelve. It says, "Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began." Listen to what it says there: "Before time began, but has now been revealed." by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life in and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, says Paul, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know who I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what, has I, what, what I have committed to him until that day. Hallelujah. Until that day. Glory to God. I, I, I love that verse number 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He is not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? For I know... Whom I have believed, and I persuaded, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed 
to him until that day. Glory to God. Verses uh, 9 through 10. Be not ashamed of his salvation. I don't know why um, anyone but would, but would be ashamed of their salvation. How can anybody be ashamed of their salvation? But it appears that there are some out there that uh, probably they are by the way that they act and uh, by the way that they uh, uh, walk around and by the way that they speak. Um, it, it seems like Christ is really not in their life. I mean, the fruit tells you everything, you know, and it seems like there there is no fruit. There's no change there. The way that they walk is like they, they're walking, uh, they're an enemy of the Lord. So we got to be careful. The greatness of his salvation. Paul reminds Timothy that we are saved. This word is intense. That means that it's completed. It's a completed act. It's a completed act. We are saved and will remain saved forever in Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. Praise God for that, that we are saved and that we will remain saved, you know, as long as we continue to walk according to what God has told us to do. We have been delivered from the depths of sin and are saved from the wrath of God. His salvation is precious because it is complete, perfect, and eternal. Glory to God. His salvation is complete, perfect, and eternal. It delivers a soul, it changes a life, defines the destiny of a person. Glory to God. Now can someone tell me why would anyone be ashamed of that, of what God has done for us? What, that, that kind of love, how could you be ashamed of that kind of love? I mean, that, that, that should be a love that uh, you should be sharing with everybody that you come encounter with. Whether it's a waitress out of the restaurant, whether it's uh, the, the postman at the post office, whether wherever it is that you're at, you know, sharing that love of Christ, what, what Christ has done in your life. Hallelujah. Each and every one of us have a wonderful testimony of what God has done in our life. Think about that for a moment. Ponder on that just for a second, just for a second. Where you were years ago and where you are now. Hallelujah. I, I, I pray to God that you could, you could analyze and you could see, wow, uh, the old man and the new man, what God has done in my life in X amount of years. Glory to God. Whatever it is, whatever, uh, however much time you've been walking with the Lord. But you have to see the difference. You have to see the difference. The writer of Hebrews remind us that we have a great salvation. Hebrews 2 uh, verses 3, the word great refers to the magnitude of salvation. It is so glorious and so vast and, and, and what it offers us that we have not even begun to comprehend all that we have in Christ Jesus. We have not even, uh, uh, we, we just can't comprehend everything that Jesus has for us. Ephesians 2.7 uh, 2, indicates that it will take an eternity for the Lord to reveal all that we have and all that he is in our life. It would take an eternity. The grace of his salvation. The grace of his salvation. Timothy is also reminded that our salvation and our calling have nothing to do with who we are. Or with anything that we may have done. We are saved by grace. Saved by grace. How many could say hallelujah to that? Glory to God. We are saved by grace. The unmerited love and favor of God for sinners. Glory to God. The unmerited favor of God for sinners was manifested towards us even before the world was ever formed. Before you and I were even conceived. Before Adam and Eve were even in this world. You know what? God had us in mind. God had us in mind. Hallelujah. Before you and I were even conceived. Glory to God. He formed us and, and, and he loved on us by grace. By his grace. His grace had already been extended to you and, 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 and to I through Christ Jesus. Even though God knew all about, uh, all about us and all about the things that we would do, still he extended that saving grace to us. Still uh, knowing how wretched we were going to be and, and the things that what we were going to do, you know what? Still he extended that love and that grace for us. 
He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on that cross for us. It was his grace that loved us and sought us, called us and saved us and kept us. And that will take us home. Hallelujah. That love and that grace and that mercy and, and, and that uh, uh, nurturing us, that will take us home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isaiah 64, 6. Salvation is pure grace from start to finish. When we attempt to add anything to the grace of God, we have nullified salvation. Let me repeat that again. Salvation is pure grace from start to finish. When we attempt to add anything to the grace of God, we will nullify salvation. There's nothing that we can do. Just come and, and just, just accept the love of God. Accept that grace and that mercy and His love for us. You know what? It's a, it, 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 I, I don't like to say it's a free gift, but it's a free gift because He would pay that price on that cross. He paid uh, uh, the price on Calvary. Uh, it, it's a free gift to us, but you know what? There was a price that he paid, but he loved us so much that, you know what? Regardless knowing what we were going to do, you know what? He still died on that cross and he shed that blood for you and I. The glory of his salvation. Glory to God. The glory of his salvation. Paul tells Timothy that through his suffering and the cross on the cross, Jesus abolished death. Hallelujah. Jesus abolished death. The word abolish means to render inoperative. In, in the most dreaded enemy of mankind was rendered ineffective when Jesus came, died, and rose again. Hallelujah. This is what Paul meant when he referred to death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Verses 11 through 12, be not ashamed of your service. Be not ashamed of your service. How can we be ashamed of the service that we give to the Lord? Paul tells Timothy that it is the gospel that compels him to serve the Lord. The gospel that compels him to serve the Lord. It is the message of grace that motivates him to pour out his life for the glory of God. It is the message of grace. Can you say thank you, Lord, for the grace, the grace that you've had on me, the grace that you've had on my life? Can you say thank you uh, this morning? Hallelujah. I think there's a word of encouragement for all of those who want to uh, actively serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that the love is merciful. The Lord is merciful and he is graceful. He is merciful and he is grateful. Number uh, 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 verse 11, the appointments in service. Paul reminds us that the positions occupied in the Lord's kingdoms for the work are not our own choosing. The word appointed is the passive voice. It's a passive voice. God chose him to be a preacher. He chose him to be a preacher, one who conveys the message of the king and tells others about the king's glory. He also was appointed as a, an apostle, one who sent out with orders on behalf of the king. A teacher as well, one who shows men the way of salvation to the glory of God. Uh, the, the, the whole point here is this, the Lord chooses when, where, and how we are to serve him. The Lord is the one that chooses those that are going to serve those that are going to serve in, in certain positions, he is the one that appoints people. Glory to God. The whole point here is to understand that, you know what? God wants to use us. God wants to use each and every one of us. Verse number 12, the, the afflictions in service. The afflictions in service. Uh, uh, one that can speak about afflictions very well. And, and a lot of times when, when I hear people uh, complaining and, uh, and, and, and just, uh, you know, uh, with, with uh, uh, negative conversations. And uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is, do you remember everything that Paul went through? Do you remember everything that Jesus went through? Is it worth it to complain? 
Is it that bad? Has it gotten in your life that bad? You know, have you gone through, uh, through everything that Paul went through and everything that Jesus went through? So we need to, we need to stop and ponder and, and think and pray first before uh, something negative comes out of our mouth. But Paul was suffering for his testimony. He was suffering for his testimony. He was in prison because he had faithfully served the Lord. Imagine that you would be in jail right now because uh, you're, you're, you're a believer in Christ and, and you're serving God and you end up in jail because of that. Well, that was Paul. He was in prison because he had faithfully served the Lord. This is the, the sovereign truth about service to the Lord. Those who will faithfully serve Him will be tested, tried, and afflicted. However, it is a pressure... Uh, it, it, it is the, this pressure that the Lord uses to mold us into His image. You got to understand that uh, that through that pressure we are molded into His image. Something perfect is going to come out of that. Have you been there? Have you been in, in a certain pressure at one time? And once you get out of it, for some reason you were there. And once you get out of it, you say, "God, now I understand why you had me there." all this time. Why you had me in that position? Why you had me in that job? Why you had me in that situation, Lord? Uh, Lord, you knew very well that I didn't want to be there, but you had me there, and I see now the reason why. I see now the reason why. Think about this as, think, uh, think of a potter, how he has said to, uh, 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 how he has to exert pressure on that clay. He has to work that clay. He has to put pressure on that clay and work it out. As he does, the clay is formed into a shape that pleases him. This molding process may be a, a painful uh, at, at many times. It may cause us to wonder about the potter's wisdom. Does this potter have wisdom? But we must always remember this. The potter is never closer to the clay that when he then at that moment that he is working and molding that clay. So think about this for a moment. Uh, think about uh, the Lord and, uh, and, and, and us being uh, that clay that he is molding and he's putting pressure in certain areas and it might be uncomfortable at times and we might hurt and we might have pain. But you know what? God is making something beautiful. God is making something that, that is going to bring joy to him. And you know what? That, that, pressure, that, that pressure moment, none of us like to be there. But what ends up finishing is a beautiful product. It's a beautiful product that the Lord could use for His glory and honor. So maybe you're going through a pressure right now. You know what? God is working in you. There's something that God is doing in you. Uh, maybe, maybe you didn't think you're gonna, it was going to be that long. Maybe it's been a long time that that pressure's been on you. But you know what? Uh, the Lord's going to use you once you get out of that. And it's going to be something beautiful that He's going to do in your life. If you believe it. If, if, first of all, you need to believe it. You know that in the midst of all that, all that pressure and everything that you're going through, something beautiful is going to come out of it. And it will. And it will if you allow the Lord. The clay, the clay that, 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 that the Lord put, puts pressure on, the process of molding it, into a vessel of honor that he would be able to use. Glory to God. Are you there this morning? Are you, are, are you saying, yes, Lord, use me. Amen. Amen. Uh, say, Lord, use me for your glory and honor. Say it loud that the Lord could, could hear you. Lord, use me for your glory and honor. The assurance in the service. Paul closes with a profound statement of faith that still causes the people of the Lord to rejoice. He tells us that he is a, a, a persuaded. He's persuaded by the word. That, that means to, uh, to be tranquilized. Hallelujah. That word persuaded means to be tranquilized. It carries the idea of being able to rest in total assurance that all is well. Glory to God. It's, it's having that assurance that all is well. Can you say amen to that? Paul understand that God's got this. 
Paul understand that, that God's got this. You know what? God's in control. I know that I'm under pressure right now. I know that I'm in the cell right now. But you know what? He still believed that God was in control. And something beautiful came out of it. Something beautiful. People got saved because Paul was in jail. The moment that he went out, hallelujah, he started preaching the word of God and people started coming to Christ, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just that, but you know what? The garments that were there, hallelujah. You know what? They, they accepted Jesus as well. He said, wait a minute, don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything crazy. Let me share with you. Let me share with you. Glory to God. But you know what? He went through a lot of pressure. There was a lot of things that were going on. It is a supernatural calm in the soul. He is confident that the Lord is able. The word means mighty and powerful and strong. He is confident that the Lord is able to keep. Hallelujah. That he is able to keep. This word means to guard, to watch, to keep an eye on. He is confident that the Lord is able to keep that which he has committed to and deposited or trusted, consigned to another's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keeping that faith, knowing that, you know what? God's in control. God's got this. God gave it to me. You know what? And I am going to take care of it for his glory and honor. I think that Paul is referring to three areas of his life in these verses. He has committed his soul. Number one, he has committed his sacrifices. He has committed his service to the Lord. He has committed his soul, he has committed his sacrifices, and he has committed his service to the Lord. The Lord is well able to keep. Let me repeat that again. The Lord is well able to keep all things we commit to his safekeeping. He will not lose a single soul committed to him. Glory to God. He will not forget our sacrifices for his sake. God will never forget what you've done for the kingdom of God. Uh, every sacrifice that you've made, every dollar that you've given to ministry, every dollar that you've given to the poor, uh, when, when we do missions, everything that you've done for mission, God will never forget that. God will never forget that. God, the, the, one of the things that he loves is a cheerful giver. And as we give, God, you know what? God remembers Glory to God. God is not going to forget what we've done out of love, out of mercy, out of his grace, what we've done for others. He will not forget. He will not forget our sacrifices for his sake. He will not forget the service rendered for his namesake. He will see to it that these things keep themselves safely for his children. He will take care of his children at all times. He knows our service and he will reward his children when we stand before him on that day, on that beautiful day that we stand before the presence of Almighty God. Nobody else may see. Nobody else may care. Nobody else may know what you're doing. But you know what? God does. God does. As I come to a, a close uh, this morning, I want you to ponder in that for a moment. I want you to ponder what God has done in your life and what God is continuing to do. This is a time. The time is now to commit to him. The time is now to commit to the Lord. The time is now to say, you know what, God, I am all in and, and, and keep on serving him for his glory. Paul understood his calling and he was tested in the middle of the storms of his life. But he was strong regardless, regardless of what was coming his way. He remained strong. He knew what his calling was. And again, this is the time. The time is now. The time is now to stop and stop being lukewarm and, and, and stop uh, compromising and, and the spirit of slothfulness and, and run after God and say, God, here I am. And I want you to use me for your glory and honor. I want you to use me for your glory and honor. And maybe you're watching me this morning and, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now. As we stand right now, hallelujah, I want you just to repeat these words after me. And I, and I, and I, and I sense in my spirit that I was speaking to somebody uh, uh, this morning when I was saying that uh, God's finger is on you. 
God's finger's on you and He's not going to let go of you. And He is just waiting for this moment for you to accept Him, for you to accept His Son as your Lord and Savior. So right there where you're at, would you just stand and, uh, and just repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, come on, say it louder that the Lord could hear you. Heavenly Father, I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. I ask your Son, Jesus, to forgive my sins, for they are many. I desire to have peace in my life right now. I've been running. I've been running away for the longest time. I've done things my way. But now I want to come back to you, Lord. Or maybe you're coming for the first time to Christ. And just say, Lord, I accept your son Jesus right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing my sins. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for giving me another opportunity. Thank you for your mercy, your love, and your grace. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and right now I commit myself. Today is a day of salvation and I accept it right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I accept your son as my Lord and Savior. I will not run anymore, Lord, but I am here, Lord. I ask that you would use me for your, for your glory and honor. For your glory and honor, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. I pray you send us a message. If you had said that prayer uh, right now for the first time, maybe you recommitted your life to God. Uh, you know what? Maybe you're saying, Lord, uh, I, I, I want to I wanna walk with you, Lord. I've, I got off the wrong exit and I've been doing things my way for the longest time, but I want to come uh, uh, fully and, and boldly before you right now. And I want to uh, accept the challenge that you would give me because I want to see the kingdom of God grow for your glory and for your honor. Maybe you're saying that for the first time. Maybe you're saying, Lord, use me for your glory and honor. And God will use you. God will definitely use you. I know for a fact that uh, the peace, that overwhelming peace that is falling upon you right now, it's only God. It's only God. It's His love, His mercy, and it's His grace upon you right now. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person that is watching us right now, Lord. I thank you for those that committed their life for the first time, Lord. Uh, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you were going to give them the strength that they need on a daily basis, Lord, to walk together with you, Lord. Father, thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for those that uh, strayed away at one point, Lord, but they come back. The prodigals have come back, Lord, and they are going to continue to come back, Lord. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' holy name. I bless you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, please send us an email and let us know what the Lord is doing in your life. We want to rejoice together with you, especially if you got saved for the first time today. Write us an email. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life. God bless you, and we can't wait to see you next Sunday as well. The Lord be with you. God bless you.